Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag. We are back answering your Detroit Lions questions here live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit this Wednesday afternoon, 12.30 p.m. Eastern-ish. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, to help me answer your Lions questions is the managing editor of Pride of Detroit at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. How are we doing, buddy? Hey, I'm... Uh... Oh, is recovering the right word from the long combine weekend, right? Yes. Uh, lots of articles, lots of coverage, lots of fun. And uh, trying to get my feet back under me. Appreciate you uh, making sure that I'm comfortable the last couple of days while I get <laughs> reacclimated and switched over to the offseason, the free agency portion of the offseason. Yeah, I was going to say, don't don't take too much of a breath here because we're, we're about to kick <laughs> things into another gear here. But yeah, uh, if you didn't see any of Eric's uh, awesome coverage, both previewing and cut and recapping the, the NFL combine bunch of awesome stuff over on the website, pridedetroit.com. But Eric, we are less than a week away from free agency at this point. Technically, I guess a week away from free agency. If you want to talk about when the signings can actually take place, but the, mm-hmm. uh, the tampering period is, as people like to call it opens up on Monday. Uh, the Lions have already started their re-signing frenzy with uh, Ross Pierschbacher. <laughs> Uh, yep. being the the one tally so far when we're recording this. Um, so we're I'm sure we're going to get a bunch of free agency questions. Um, in fact, I and and it's really it, you know, it's been a a newsworthy week for the NFL, just not so much the Lions. Yeah, it's it, it's been a lot about the quarterback. So we're going to start there. I know some people are sick of it. I promise we won't talk quarterback the entire show. But <laughs> because Daniel Jones got his extension, 40 million a year, we're just kind of now seeing the, the details of that come out um, because. Yes, Lamar Jackson got the non-exclusive franchise tag, which means teams can start negotiating with him at the start of the new year for new deals. Quarterback has become a, a hot topic across the NFL and including the Detroit Lions. So seeing as I think the Lions are, are coming up on a fork on the road here with, with Jared Goff and what they should do at quarterback, I posed, I think, a, a fascinating question. And of course, I'm calling my own question fascinating. But I want to pose it to you because uh, I think the Lions have three-ish options at quarterback that they have to decide in the next year or two. And right. um, I don't think there's a clear answer here, but I'm, I'm curious as to your preference and you can rank them. You can just discuss all three options, but here are my three options. You ride with Jared Goff and he's probably going to get somewhere between 40 and 45 million for this exercise. Let's say he has for 45 million a year and you, mm-hmm. you do that extension next year. Yeah, I, I look before you get to the next step. I think that's a reasonable number because yeah. uh, inflation is going to go up. He's going to get more than Jones, who uh, got forty, which uh, it, it, you pointed out very well in your article this morning. So I do think that's a good number. Yeah. So that's one option. You give him his extension. He's probably going to ask for it next year. Right? You could theoretically wait another year on it, but you also mm-hmm. kind of want to get those done earlier to to save money in the long term. Um, you draft Jared Goff's replacement. You can. Uh, I will allow you to either do that this year or next, and we can discuss mm-hmm. which one makes more sense if you want. Or go and get Lamar Jackson, who we know is, is going to cost you at least two first-round picks to, to trade for just because of the franchise tag. And then I'm assuming here that he's at, he, you have to give in to the fully guaranteed demand that he appears to be sticking his guns to, and let's just say $50 million. Fully guaranteed. So, like, let's say four-year, $200 million contract fully guaranteed. So, I, I, I might push back on that number a little bit. That's fair. Just just because, um, but I do I do agree with you on the fully guaranteed portion. Yeah. Um, if you're trading for him, you are you are going into that. No, you're going into that conversation knowing that that's pretty much what he's asking for. And the... Uh, the Browns precedence of fully guaranteeing things is the new precedence, I guess. And I think that the league is trying very desperately to avoid that situation from becoming the norm. Yep. Um, maybe we, I mean, let's start there. Like we've, we've talked about this a little bit off, you know, off to the side uh, in our own private conversations. Uh, I compared this to uh, Calvin Johnson's contract. Right. Uh, when Calvin got his contract, it was, way above the other what the wide receiver market was and the league was very uh i don't want to say they weren't necessarily aggressive but they were 
they 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 made a clear statement that they weren't going to allow that to become the new standard right. and the contracts were much lower uh following calvin's but uh so i'm kind of viewing this situation uh with the browns as a uh one of those anomaly type contracts or at least the league is trying to make it an anomaly right and yep. the whole non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar I think points to that as well right yeah the, uh, they're allowing people not not doing this yeah like he's like basically they're saying we don't think the guarantee is the way the future of the league is going go ask people and see if they're willing to give it to you right, right? and if they are then we'll just take a couple draft picks in uh, in exchange, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so this, I think that was, I mean, that was a very purposeful statement. Uh, keep doing the non-exclusive, right? Um, okay. So that so that right there makes that third option a little less appealing because I don't like that contract, yeah. the Watson contract. Watson contract is a, I, I I would not want that on my franchise. Okay, and so. I don't like that that deal right off the bat. Look, I like Jim Lamar Jackson as a player. He's a former league MVP. I don't like giving up capital in a in a for a team that is still technically rebuilding, and um, I don't like the cost associated with it in the guaranteed strings that come with that. So that right there for me, I don't like it. Uh, okay. So that brings me down to the other two options. The sure. other two options are. Do you draft Goff's replacement or do you go in with the anticipation of potentially knowing that you're going to have to give him $45 million? And, and here's the thing. I don't think that's far off from what we've been talking about. No. Right? Like we've been – this has kind of been what we've been talking about for a while now. Um, 45 seems like a legitimate marker, uh, especially the way it's trending. It won't be fully guaranteed, as you point out in your in your uh, tweet. And so the question then becomes, are you willing to pay that? And I'm still in the same spot I was before, which is, I don't know. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> and, that, and that ultimately makes this a really hard offseason for the Lions. Right. It's an underrated yes. hard offseason because the whole point in like having the QB talk now is because they have the draft capital now. Right. And it, it, may, it would be a lot easier if Jared Goff had sucked last year because it would have made this decision <laughs> a lot easier. Right. But now it's a tough right. decision like because – Everything is lined up kind of perfectly to draft a quarterback this year, except for the fact that Jared Goff is still playing very well. Right. Um, So uh, my still my approach still would be to he's going to start next season. Yeah. So I want to see what happens next season. So if that's my approach, then I'm probably leaning a little bit against drafting the guy this year because that puts you in a bind. Yeah. which is why I like the idea of trading back and trying to somehow get a first rounder for next year. Yeah. Because that gives you that flexibility. That that is the stance I would try and do. I would try and punt the quarterback decision for a year. Now that's not one of your three options, of course, uh, but that's what I would yeah. do. Right. Um, I, I can offer the, the opportunity to draft a quarterback next year, but, but it's going to cost you oh, more, okay. right? It's going to cost you. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to be tricky about yeah. how you do it. It's not Everyone, as smooth as it is this right. year. And I know a lot of people point to the Chiefs and say, like, look, teams from 17, 18, 19, they, they can trade up and, and get their guy. Always easier said than done, though. They're, they're, yeah. they're quarterback-hungry teams all over this league. You're going to you're gonna have to pay a lot, and there's no yep. guarantee you get that dude. Um, It's such a strange uh, – it's such a strange time of the year because at the Combine – there were a couple quarterbacks that looked fantastic yeah, and like answered some questions that maybe people had, um, has CJ Stroud can, you know, made himself like a top three pick. Oh, he sure looked like it. I mean, he looked like the best quarterback at the combine. Yeah. I know Anthony Richardson went nuts and we'll talk about him in a second, but Stroud was fantastic. He looked fantastic. He played fantastic. I thought everything he did was great. That, 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 doubles up on the fact of how he did in the playoffs. And so he's ending in a right in a good situation to really solidify him as a guy near the top. Um, Richardson, we all knew he was going to be athletic. We all knew he was going to test athletic. We didn't, I don't think anyone knew he was going to be the most athletic quarterback in NFL history, but that's 
that's what he did, right? Yeah. yeah. Faster, stronger, bigger, bigger, more explosive. It's it's all there for 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 Richardson. And so he becomes a little bit more tempting as well because like again, he checked the box for what you knew, but then you're like, wow, it could just be that much better. Like and and so the appeal goes up. So yesterday I rewatched uh week 17 against the Green Bay Packers because I was looking at Richardson's performance going, wow, that would be great. Do we want to take him at six? And so I'm like, hold on. Is this recency bias that I'm going after here? Because I just saw this terrific performance. And so I wanted to take a breath. I put the game on just in the background. But then by the time the second half of that game rolled around, I was on the couch watching it. And I'm like, Typing and not really, not really typing. You know what I mean, yeah. right? And, and then I was like, "Wow, he was really good in that game." And if he can be really good, and I re- and, and then I start reflecting on how he was really good for a long, like that whole last ten games, I'm like, maybe that is worth forty five million a year. And so, like, that's the conundrum that you're in because yeah. if your most recent experience is watching the combine, you're drooling over one of these quarterbacks. But then if you take a beat and you look back at what he did and actually watch those games and now those are in your mind, you're like, wow, that could be he could be he can be the guy. He could be this guy yeah. who's maybe worth a three year hundred million dollar contract or you know, whatever it's gonna yeah. be, right? Um 120, 30, whatever. Um so it's a conundrum, right? If it, yeah. I mean, I understand the opportunity of saying there's a guy, take him, and then let's see where it goes. But I also understand uh, the uh, the appeal to say he. If you have a quarterback that can do it, you don't get rid of that quarterback just to get rid of him. Right. So uh, to answer your question, ten minutes later, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so you're not answering it. Right. To me, to right. me, it like, sounds like, and I think a lot of people are in this. <laughs> you're. I mean, you're basically stuck between those two options between drafting a guy. Or sticking the course with with golf and and I think a lot of you know look at the the poll results a lot of I I think it's almost fifty percent or more than fifty percent say draft a quarterback which I was actually quite surprised with because I I was under the impression this Lions fan base is currently of the belief that they want to stick out stick it out with Jared Goff and see what happens mm-hmm. um, you know what the cra- I'm sorry to interrupt you that's okay the crazy thing is. Is it also it sounds fine. Like when you say, oh, we'll pay him 45 million, everybody's like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's a going rate, no problem. But when you actually see someone get paid 40 million, you're like, whoa, I don't want that. Right. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's the thing. And again, so maybe it's recency bias because yeah. you're looking at Daniel Jones going, Holy cow, the Giants are, maybe made a mistake. Right. Right? I, I, maybe I, they didn't. The, the thing so I want to apologize. No, it's okay. I want I want to bring it back to Lamar for a second. Because I agree with you, and I said as much on Twitter, and people got I got a, a wide variety of, of reactions. I think that's obviously the most polarizing decision is to sure. to make a run at, at Lamar. And listen, I I get it. Like I think I think the line should consider it. I don't, I don't think they should do it, and I I definitely don't think they will do it. Based on, mm. I mean, you can go back to the Dan Campbell comments from last week that we kind of blew up, saying like, "Hey, we got to think about the future with." Jared Goff and and we yeah we have to look at quarterbacks in this year's draft. The other part of that sentence though was we don't have to push it. We don't yeah. have to we don't have to make a risk. We 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 can do it when we're comfortable because Jared Goff has bought us time. Giving a giving away two first round picks and uh, a fully guaranteed contract to a quarterback who's dealt with injuries the past two seasons um, and and had some inconsistent play. I, I, listen, I I think Lamar Jackson is an elite level quarterback. I don't want to I don't want to yeah. be on that side of the debate. But it's in an, it's by far the the it's the financially most risky move. It's the draft capital most risky move. Um, but but he's also the most proven of the three options. But the the point I wanted to make was we just got done from years of a narrative saying I don't know if you can win a championship if you don't have a guy on a rookie contract. Look at all these guys. Look at all these quarterbacks. Like you need these guys on reasonable contracts. You need them on rookie contracts to win a championship. And now we're getting, and now we're like, we're paying too much for Jared Goff, but let's pay even more and all guaranteed to Lamar Jackson. Like, oh, I thought we mm-hmm. were all like, we want to be cap savvy here. That is not a cap savvy move. And if it if you get to year two of it and you're like, I don't know if this is working, you don't have an out. 
You are going right. to take on a hundred million dollar cap hit to release this guy if it doesn't work out. Uh, so that's why I'm definitely I, I think right now, if if I'm putting these in order, I, I think drafting a guy this year next, probably this year because of the opportunity is my is my first go to. I I am I am a little tempted by Lamar. He might be my second option and and Oof. and giving golf an extension is my third, but all these are incredibly close. And it's why we keep talking about it because it's right. not only a really, really tough decision that this front office faced, but it's a critical one. And absolutely. We're, we're talking about the quarterback position. This is huge. Right. <clears throat> all right. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to be honest. The idea of drafting a quarterback is more appealing to me than Lamar. Yeah. I agree. By a lot. Right. Like, right. I mean, look, I, again, I'm with you. I think he's a good player, but there's a big gap for me. Yeah. Like I'm if those are the two options for me, I'm drafting. So for me, it's a lot harder. It's a lot tougher decision between drafting and extending. Fair enough. All right. We'll put the quarterback aside uh, to everyone that fast forwarded that part. You can stop now. We're not going to talk <laughs> about quarterbacks anymore. Uh, let's talk about another fun topic here from the Jobu on Twitter uh, asks, are there any lines players you guys think might be available for trade? Julian Aquara, DeAndre Swift, any? Uh, Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda was the first guy that jumped to my mind as well. Yeah. 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 Jeff seems potentially tradable. Uh, and I do think the Aquaras both might be tradable um, because I, 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 well, I, you're not going to get much for Julie. I really either. I'm not. I don't sure. think you're going to get much for either. Yeah. And, and and look, and that's the downside of trading players, players away. <laughs> yeah. Is that you're giving away potentially a player for what, like a, a fifth or sixth round pick, and like if you're lucky. Yeah. Right. If you're lucky, and, a special teamer. Right. Like it. it it's uh. And you're, you look. You're not going to pull Malcolm Rodriguez out of the draft every year in the right. sixth round. Right. You're, you're not going to pull Malcolm Rodriguez and James Houston out of the sixth round. Well, you know what? Maybe Brad Holmes will. Maybe he. Maybe he just will. All right. right? All right. Like, sure. Maybe that's Why what not? it is. Yeah. Maybe he just acquire twenty six round picks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as, as a writer, that is a nightmare. Don't say that. Don't even put that out there. <laughs> um, but you. The cost return is never what we uh, what we hope it will be, right? Yeah. Like you you look at it and you're like, man, if you're trading someone away, you're usually getting lower value than than if you're acquiring acquiring that player. And so, yeah. um, so I don't know. I I do think what you have to think about is what might teams be interested in, right? And I do think right. the Akudas. I'm sorry, Akuda and the Aquaras, uh, those are guys that are in reserve roles, maybe Akuda in reserve role, that there's enough talent there that other teams think they could do something with him yeah. or her, all of them, right? Um, I don't know, honestly, if they have – I can only think of one more person, and it's going to – people are going to be mad, but Swift – Swift is the only other one. I don't right? think people will be mad about that. And and that feels to me more like a trade deadline kind of trade, right? Like, yeah. hopefully he shows up in the first half of the season and the Lions know they're not going to re-sign him probably. And they're like, let's see if there's, I mean, obviously you're not going to get like a Christian McCaffrey type of deal or anything. But if he shows no, up, no. like, teams are willing to trade for a, a short-term rental on a running back. Someone, I mean, running back position always gets injured. There's probably going to be a running back needy team at the halfway point of the season. Yeah, and he's dynamic enough of a player that teams will look at that and say, man, if we only get him for like five snaps a game, you know what I mean? Like, right. that'll be important for us. Right. Like, honestly, yeah. like, honestly, like, and so I do think maybe those four guys, but I can tell you right now, I don't think any one of any of them would return more than a day three pick. Yeah, I'm with you there. And and I that's an unfortunate, like... And and with Akuda being in that mix, I I still think if you're trading him straight up, you might get a, you're probably looking like a fourth, and that's not what you're going to want. Right. You, you're basically shedding cap to yeah. get to to move him. 
And I don't think that's ideal. I think you can, you keep him and you can, he's worked at and you keep him and test it personally. Fair enough. All right. We're going to do one more question here before we go to break here. Um, and I just hit the wrong button. There we go. Uh, Nate <laughs> Simmons on Twitter asks, uh, I like this question. He says, here's a wild comparison. I think Christian Gonzalez is Kayvon is the Kayvon Thibodeau of cornerbacks. Devon Witherspoon is the Aiden Hutchinson and Joey Porter Jr. is the Trayvon Walker. Uh, first of all, is that a fair comparison? And if so, do you think the Lions are going to try to make the same decision at corner like they did at edge? So I, I guess I guess I guess I can understand like Christian Gonzalez is like he's the prototype. He fits all of the measurables. But I guess some I'm not putting myself in there. Some have maybe questioned whether he has like that aggressive nature, whether where Devon Witherspoon Obviously a little bit smaller, but he's got that tenacious attitude like Aiden Hutchinson did. And Aiden Hutchinson had the the what the short arms or whatever. Uh, and then Joey Porter. I'm not sure how he compares to Trayvon Walker, um, but I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on those comparisons? Uh, here's the thing. I I would actually switch them around. Okay. I, I, I completely agree with the Devin Witherspoon Hutchinson yeah. uh, comparison because attitude, demeanor, all that stuff. Um, but I think... When you look at like Thibodeau and Walker, Walker was actually the more athletic right. of, of, of the of the ends. I know Kayvon is the more athletic style player, right? But Walker was the more athletic overall. Yeah, and and so I actually like uh, Gonzalez more as like the Walker comparison for me, and I think Porter is more like the the Thibodeau for me again. Um, so those are my I, I would I would flip those two personally. Okay. But so I, I'm guessing the second half of this question, will the Lions go the quote unquote Aiden Hutchinson route? Your answer is yes. You're I mean, you're a big Devin Witherspoon guy. Yep. And I could see them hey, look, maybe maybe this is my bias because last year I said I think Hutch is one and I think Walker is two, and I think Thibodeau is down. Right. And I kind of think that same thing with these three corners. Yeah. I think I think Witherspoon is the guy. I think uh, Gonzalez is right there. And then I think Porter is the guy who's going to be a little bit further down. And I mean, will I catch heat for that? Like I did the Thibodeau stuff? Probably not. (laughs) Um, But that's okay. I mean, I'm fine. I'm comfortable in in, in the statements that I make. So I'm I'm willing to put them in that order. And I don't think anything's changing. I think those that's the that's way I see them. I want to talk about Joey Porter a little bit because he has kind of been left out of this conversation a little bit before the combine, but I thought he showed up pretty well at the combine too. So what, what to you is, is the thing that's missing from him being in that one versus two conversation? Yeah, it's, it's a couple of things. One, he's, he allowed, he's not, he is a press, he can be a press man, but he doesn't do a lot of press coverage. Mm -hmm. Didn't do a lot of press at Penn state. That could be a schematic thing. That could also be him. Uh, Lions want you to put your hands on guys more. Um, think of it like this. When you go back and you watch games and you watch um, Akuda or you watch uh, Jerry Jacobs, like they're physical at the point of attack, yeah. whereas Amani is more hands off, ironically, a Penn State corner as well. Right. Hmm. Yeah. And so Amani constantly let that free release go. And then he would just try and turn and use his athleticism and run. And I see a lot of the same things with Porter. Um, he allows those free releases, which is not really ideal for the type of scheme that the, that the Lions are running. And then you have like he's got he's, he can get a little bit handsy. Yeah, Witherspoon can as well. And, you know, I'm not saying Witherspoon is without fault, like, but getting handsy gives you a little bit of concern uh, when you see that. Yeah. Uh, but look, athletically. Porter, I think, is, is is has it. He's got the the background. He's got the. Uh, the, the bloodline, like, you know what I mean? Like he's, there's a lot of things going on for him that people are going to like. I just don't like the fit in Detroit as smoothly as I do for the other two, which is why I have those two higher. Now, Porter's still going to be a guy who he's still CB. Well, I have branch in my corners, so he's CB three. But yeah. Porter's like my fourth. He's my three, number three outside guy. Uh, but I think he'd have, you'd have to go in with the confidence that he can be more physical at, at the line and he can cut back the handsy stuff when he's in phase. Right. And and those are the two biggest flaws that I see uh, in, in him transitioning to Detroit. Yeah. And I see a lot of people in our, our live chat. And, and I think we talked about him a little bit on money. Deontay Banks is kind of working his way up into that conversation as well. But I don't think he's necessarily there quite yet. Um, but let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to answer more of your Lions questions. And again, no more quarterback talk. I promise. 
uh, as we come back here on the Midweek Uber Mailbag. We will be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on the Midweek Mailbag. Myself and Eric Schlitt answering your lines questions every Wednesday afternoon around 1230 p.m. Eastern live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. Let's get back into it. Uh, It is about to be free agency time. And when it is free agency time, we get a lot of questions about the salary cap. So I know, Eric, you're very much in tune. You have your own salary cap chart, which can also be purchased on your Patreon. Um, But uh, so we got a a bunch of questions here from Tim Barker on Twitter. uh, Asks, one, why do the Lions have so little cap space? We don't have any players on really big contracts, and most of our core of our team are on rookie deals. So let's start there. Why are the lines not amongst those teams with like 50, 60 million in cap space where it's more around the 20 to 25 range? Well, because there's only like three of them, right? The Texans have 40, the Falcons have 66, and the Bears have upwards of over 90. Everyone else is lower. And the Lions, believe it or not, are in the top 10 in in, in cap space available. Um, They have around 22 and plus, right? Um, Which is considerably more than like some of the other teams, like even within the division. Now the bears of course are really high, but like the Vikings are still over. They're still 15 million over the cap right now. And they've started making cuts in order to do that. But even when they make their cuts, they're still going to have to make room for things like draft classes and stuff like that. Um, Who knows what's going to happen with the Packers, right? Because that, the whole, you know, darkness retreat situation going on. Uh, Excuse me. They're at like 16, uh, if I recall right, but like the Lions are actually in the top 10 in, in cap space available. So, but I get the idea that when you look at the number and you say 23 doesn't seem like a lot, especially when player X is going to cost, you know, 10 million, $15 million a year, it seems like you're going to get one guy and then you're in trouble. Well, it, it really comes down to how those contracts are all structured, right? Right. Um, and you talked about that when you talked uh, this morning about the uh, Daniel Jones contract right. impacting the potential Jared Goff contract. You meant you brought up the fact that a lot of these deals get back ended, uh, you know, where they get pushed up heavily in the back end. They get bonus structures worked in, and they end up getting a lot of lower cap hits early on. There's also the option to add in voided years, like we saw with with TJ Chark last year. And so, right. even though Chark made ten million dollars guaranteed. They only took a $4 million cap hit last year because of the way the contract was structured. So why do they have so why do they have the the amount that they do? Um, that's a, a separate question, right? Like, so I actually think they're in a pretty good spot cap-wise, being yeah. in the top 10 of availability. So I don't think it's as little as it as it looks. Um, but why are they where they're at? Well, you know, whatever rookie quarterback. Right there, right? So right there, that's going to be golf 30, 31, 31 million for golf. Boom. Right off the bat. And so yeah. that's and, and but that's where a lot of teams are. That's 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 sure. where that I mean look, those teams that are at the top that we just talked about, 
Um, you know, Chicago's got a rookie. The Texans have no one, you know, or yeah. essentially a, their best guy's a rookie. Same thing with the Falcons. Falcons don't have a quarterback and their best yeah. guy's a rookie as well. Right. So they have extra space because they have those rookie contracts. That's just the nature of how it goes. Um, beyond that, you you have uh, a lot of money invested in Decker and Ragnow. The offensive have, line is costing you a lot, right? Decker is 19. Yes. Ragnow is 16 and a half. Vitae is 12 and a half right there. I mean, Which, it's huge. Right. Which is why Vitae is being looked at as a potential cap casualty. Yep. You also have Romeo Aquara and uh, Charles Harris, who are costing uh, $8 million for Charles Harris and fourteen and a half for Aquara, considering they're both in reserve roles. We've, that's why we've talked about them as being potential cap casualties as well. Um, in all, You've got like six guys that make over eight million, and with two of them being reserves, like those guys are going to be uh, potential chopping block guys, right? Yeah. That's just kind of the way it is. And what, um, what I find interesting too is because you know the, the original question asked, like we have all these rookies, why? Why? Well, mm-hmm. Aiden Hutchinson already had an eight million cap hit because he's a second overall right. pick, which is actually more of a cap hit than Panay Sewell, who's entering his third year, is taking Panay's at six right. and a half, which is just kind of interesting. It goes to show you how the, the rookie scale is still very, I mean, you're still paying a lot for these top three guys. And so yeah. in, in an expensive guy, and he's going to continue to be an expensive guy. Um, So, yeah. And you, I mean, you have guys like Jeff Akuda who yeah. who's going to cost there. So there's a couple of guys that um, there's a couple of guys up there that, that cost a lot. Right. And so that pushes you up, but I really think like, the big thing is always going to be that quarterback, right? Like everyone is always, if you have, if you don't have a rookie quarterback, then you're always going to have to be conscious of of how you work in your cap, which is why so many people like the strategy of, you know, trying to make a push for things with a rookie. We all know, of course, it's not as easy, you know, to, to, you got to find the right rookie, which is hit or miss a lot of times, but that's just kind of the way it is. Um, so to go back one point before we move on here, um, you talked about Aiden costing $8 million because he was the number two overall pick. Yep. This year's number two overall pick will cost around seven. And then next year it'll be a little bit more than eight, right? Right. The number six pick is going to cost about five and a half, right? So it's a big drop just yep. moving from two to six. Yep. And then if you start, if you look at 18, that guy's going to cost 2.8 million. So that's a huge drop in, 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 in cap. So it's great to be picking at the top, but you also don't want to be picking at the top too many consecutive years or you're going to end up, you know, in, in a tough spot, not as bad as, you know, when there was a non-capped. Yeah. Right. uh, Rookie class, but, but, but that's essentially why, like, that's kind of how the, how the cap looks. You know, you got a couple of guys. The nice thing is you've got one bad contract that you're dealing with from the previous regime, and you've basically shed everything else. Yeah. So you just have to decide how you want to deal with that one contract. And um then they're gonna be in a, they're gonna be in an even more liquid spot. Yeah. Uh the, the second half of this question, I'll kind of smush them to the two together. Uh there are a lot of you know, cap estimates about how much the Lions have usually, like I said, it's between that 20 to 25 million range. Um, The question here, um, which I'll answer right away, and then I'll make you answer the more complicated one. Um, Does that include the money that we'll have to spend on uh, draft picks? The answer to that is no, it does not include that. The the real figure is probably more between the 10 and 15 million range. So the the follow-up to that is um, how much cap do you think they're going to have to save to get to a point where they can start spending a, a comfortable amount and, and are, are they going to make those moves? I guess. Well, if you, okay. So the rookie class is going to cost around 11 million, yeah. right? But because of the way the 51 man roster works, the last couple of those picks, like most of day three, those guys are not going to have a high enough salary to count against the 51, the top right. 51. So right there, you can take those three guys kind of like off of the, uh, off of the, the, the cap, um, which is one of the reasons why teams like acquiring those late round rookies. Like they, they, if they can hit on a guy who can contribute, even if it's in special teams, they don't cost a lot. 
and, and so you can you can add those guys in on the back end to keep your 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 uh, team in, in a cap friendly situation. Um, so, uh, all right. So I'm sorry. Answer ask, ask me that question again. I was trying so to make I, that point. Um, the basic question is is how do they get more money and will they, how get, do they more get more money? Okay. So you can you can um, you can trade maybe back right to try and lower the cap cost of your class that could help free up more money you can restructure uh players if you don't want to get rid of them or you can maybe renegotiate contracts altogether right um like with vitai let's say they want to keep vitai but at um you know 12 and a half million that's just too much you can restructure or renegotiate his contract a renegotiation would mean we're starting over, but we'll have to work in your guaranteed money into the new contract because that's money you're already guaranteed, and we can't just wash that away. The league doesn't let us. The league makes us stay accountable for that money. Um, but you could try and do re- redo a whole new contract for him and lower his 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 cap amount. Um, the other way is to restructure, and restructuring is basically a, um, a version where you take a player's base salary and you convert it into a signing bonus. You don't have to do the whole base salary. You can do any amount in between, uh, but you can take a a smaller portion, larger portion, the whole amount, whatever you need to do. But uh, you can go all the way up to like uh, roughly around a million dollars. You have to leave as a base. You can take the rest of that, convert it into a bonus. By converting it into a bonus, you can take that signing bonus and it gets spread out over the duration of the contract. The cap. So like with uh, the cap hit. Right. So then what happens is if you take like, let's say you take $10 million of Vitae and he's got four years left on his deal. um, You that gets spread out 2.5 million over each of those four years. Of course, you're going to take that 2.5 million hit for this year. Right. But the other seven and a half will get pushed into future years. So it's kind of like paying it off with like a credit card. Right. And so essentially you're you're going to have to take you're going to make a monthly payment this year and then you're going to have to make four, you know, or yearly payment this year and then four more years or three more yearly payments over the rest of it until you eventually pay the whole thing off. But it frees you up some money now. So that's an option to do that. You only have you can only do that in situations Certain situations. One, you have to have a guy who has more than one year left on his deal. Right. Okay. And two, you can't do it with a rookie because rookies can't – You it, one, it wouldn't make sense financially. Right. Uh, but two, you're not allowed to renegotiate until year three anyways. And so when you narrow that down, you're only left with like six guys. Yeah. That you they have can to have a big salary renegotiate. too, right? They have yeah. to have a big salary number. Otherwise, yeah. it's not worth doing. So you have to have a decent-sized salary. Okay. For example – Jack Fox is one of those six guys that you could renegotiate or restructure. The problem is, is you're not you're only going to free up about eight hundred thousand dollars by restructuring Jack Fox. Jer, uh, Jack Fox, it, it's not worth it, right? So now you're down to like five guys, and so that's the five guys that you could do this with are Jared Goff, Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow, Vitai, and Tracy Walker. If any of them are in your long term plans beyond this year they become a viable option to free up money. The tricky part is you may not want to do that right now because it ties you into that player, right? It may be something that you want to do, leave as like an in-season option as a, uh, as a person, yeah. you know, is, is like a yeah. somewhere person that's an option. You can do that with down the road. The, the easiest way to think about it is you can never get rid of someone's cap it. You're just kicking it down the road. So if you want yes. to restructure one of these guys, you're you're going to have to pay them later at some point. So if you don't want to pay them now, that's fine, yeah. but you're going to pay them later. And you, you only really want to be in that sort of situation if those guys are long term. Anyways, hope that's enough capology for you guys. <laughs> we do plan on maybe doing a, a like capology school of thought and and a, like a capology 101 thing um, to help you guys kind of navigate some of the, the tougher language stuff. But let's move on from that right now uh, and go back to the draft here. We've done free agency. We've done quarterback talk. Let's go back to the draft um, because two of the bigger standouts, I would say, of the NFL combine came on the defensive side of the ball. And and someone wants us to know um, what 
our preferences. And, and granted, these two guys play different positions, but they're they're hot names right now. Uh, so let's start with Iowa defensive end Lucas Van Ness, who blew up yep. the combine completely. And then I know I know you only think there's maybe one starting capable linebacker in this crew, but Correct. I I was Jack Campbell had himself quite a combine as well. So mm-hmm. I mean maybe maybe this is day this is probably day two we're talking about at this point. Although maybe Van Ness creeps into uh, late first round here. Um, what do you like about both those guys? Maybe what's what's your preference over the two in terms of their fit, in terms of the lines need, in terms of mm-hmm. the player themselves. I think Van Ness is a day one guy. You do? Um, yeah, I think he's going to be locked in on day one. There's too many intangibles with him that are going to appeal to a team at the edge that's going to make people uh, super interested, right? Yeah. Like he's 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 yeah. big. He's 6'5", 270. He, run, he ran well. He jumped well. Like there's a lot of things that are going to appeal to teams as an edge rusher. I think that pushes him into the first uh, or keeps him in the okay. first. Sure. Um, Campbell, on the other hand, is a guy who I think is is a day three guy or day two guy. Okay. Probably like in the third round, in my opinion. Um, so now, so when you compare them, um, they're very different on my on my scale of when I think they'll be drafted. Uh, I do think like Campbell fits a bigger need as an off the ball guy. Sure. And I think that he is capable of starting. Um, I just don't know if that's a guarantee. Yeah. Whereas like with the Van Ness, I think Van Ness can step in and he can be part of a rotation on that uh, closed end, like almost immediately. Like to give you an, an idea of like the depth of their position, um, Campbell's my off the ball linebacker three, whereas Van Ness might be like five or six on the edge, right? Yet Van Ness is five or six on the edge is still a first rounder off the ball. Three right. is a third rounder, right? right? So that shows you like the depth of, the, of, of how the position is valued different. Right. Um, right. With Campbell, he's big. He's shown some athleticism. He has some good instincts. There's uh, physicality in the run game for him. So I do think he would stylistically fit at the mic and finding a guy that fits at the mic is going to be hard. Finding a guy that fits at the mic and can start is going to be, it's really challenging in, in this class. Uh, Sanders, like you said, I think is the one guy who's probably plug and play. Yeah. Uh, Campbell has a chance to be that, which is why I think he's going to be considered on day two. Last draft one I want to get into, and we talked about it a little bit on Monday's podcast and YouTube absolutely freaked out about it. But George's Darnell Washington tight end. Yeah. Another big winner, I would say, at the NFL combine. Huge guy, 6'7", 265, ran like the wind. Yeah. Too early for 18? I had him in the I had him as uh tight end two yeah. in my pre-combine rankings. Uh that's not going to change after okay. this, right? Like I still yeah. think he's going to be tight end two. Um 18 is a little rich for me, but I think Daniel Jeremiah had him like it in that range. Like yeah. I think Daniel Jeremiah had him at like uh, seventeen. Check seventeen. Yeah. Uh, but most people kind of have them in that fringe. Um, you have to consider things like positional value. Like how how bad you need a, a a tight end. Is the fact that he's more of a blocking tight end first and pass catching tight end second is that going to lower his value as well? Uh, you know, like those things are going to be factored in at the same time. He's a massive, massive man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Like he, he is an off, he is an extension of the offensive line. He fits everything that they want to do. I still don't think I would take him at 18 though, personally. Yeah. Um, if they took him at 18, he was on the team. He's a guy I'd be like super, but it would be a guy that you would also argue positional value. Yeah. And let me put it this way. If you are on the fence about taking Bajan at 18, you are not going to take Darnell Washington at 18. You know what I mean? Like, you're just not. Well, my my only pushback to that is the elite level of tight ends in this league mm-hmm. is so small. Okay. And there's such game changers. And listen, I'm not I'm yes. not saying I'm not gonna sit here and tell you Darnell Washington is going to be the next 
you know, Kelsey or, or Kittle. I mean, it's possible. Right. He's, he's, he needs to show a lot more as a receiver, right? He didn't, he just didn't do it that much in college. He made that amazing one-handed grab at the combine. We all saw that. Yeah. So he's, yep. he's capable, but you're projecting a lot here in terms of his offensive yeah. value in the passing game. But if he is one of those guys, if, if you can some, and, and listen, I understand this, this fan base has been hurt plenty of times with this, right? Yeah. We drafted first round, tight ends three times now, and none of them worked out to, I think, the level that you would expect in them. But right. that level of talent is so rare rare and so valuable. I mean, you look at the teams that have those guys. They are like the centerpieces of those offenses. It's well, I mean, you, it, you have to find the right guy. Though. You have to find the right guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And I think the a big factor in those guys, the Kelsey's and in the in the Kittles, is that they are really, really good athletes. Yeah. Right. And, and while Washington is a good athlete as well, and he tested very well, he's not at their level. Like it's a different kind of athleticism. His body is going to slow him down a little bit more. Sure. Um and, and so I don't think he has that that range necessarily. And so for me. That's why I don't like I, I wouldn't take him necessarily at 18, even though there's so much to like about him. Yeah, I think you have a better shot of turning maybe a guy that I have a little bit lower on my board into a Kittle, like sure. if they develop properly, as opposed to 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 Washington. I think Washington is going to kind of be this dominating force as a blocker. Yeah. And he's going to be a, a problem for teams to try and match up against as a pass catcher. But he's going to make most of his noise in like the ten yards within within ten yards of the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he's not a guy you're running as you know square ends across the middle, fifteen yards down the field. Like that's not his game, and and that's the that's what you need. With that's what you get from the Kittles in the uh, in the in the um, Kelseys of the world. I I want to talk a little bit maybe about some of the other tight ends that that might be more palatable in, in day two and day three. But just before we get into that, I want to talk about the need at tight end, because I feel like a lot mm-hmm. of people, they point to last year and they say we got rid of TJ Hawkinson and we, quote unquote, got better at tight end. Statistically, I, I, well, <laughs> it depends on what statistic you look at, too. That's touchdowns. Touch, only touchdowns, essentially. And <laughs> and yes. listen, eight touchdowns in, in eight games is, is fantastic. It's amazing. Whatever. I don't know how much of that I put on the tight ends when they're standing wide open. And, and you know, in the case of Brock, right, there's no one within 15 yards of him. I mean, you have to have the sort of caught three the in field. one game. Right. And, and he's wide open on one of them. And it was also the Carolina game when the, the game was yeah. way out of control. Um, yep. So, uh, I, I I would push back on that. I don't think the Lions have a good set of tight ends, and I think it was better when when T.J. Hawkinson was around. Now, does that mean maybe they're shifting it at what kind of tight ends they're looking at? Maybe, but I also yes. but I also think they're probably looking in that group and saying we can do better. Sure, I agree with that. Um, and maybe as a pass catcher, as a pass catcher, because I don't think they have great pass catchers. Zilstra is is the one guy where I'm like he could probably show more as a pass catcher because. What he had like eight catches, and like you said, three of them came in in one game. He's a former wide receiver, though, so he has yeah. he has a skill set to do that. So, with all of that in mind, because every Lions fan is going to cringe at the idea of, of drafting a, a tight end in the first round, who is someone that's maybe more palatable that can fit what the Lions want, um, can can block, can maybe receive, and and you can get more value on a day two or day three guy. Well, let's start with the two guys the Lions have reportedly interviewed, sure. right? Because yep. they've interviewed two guys, and yep. and one of them is going right back. We're going right back to Iowa here. <laughs> right. uh, we just got done talking about Iowa defenders. Why not? Might as well talk about an Iowa tight end as well. Um, that's Sam Laporta. Sure, uh, he's six three, two forty five. Um, his three cone is really good, which tells you about his ability to change direction, go over the middle. He's more of a pass catcher than a blocker for me. Yeah. Um, he gets a little high. He doesn't sustain as long as I'd like, right? Those are correctable things, right? You get his, you get his hands a little bit lower. You teach him to drive a little bit more. You can fix that. And then away you go yeah. is the, the effort is there. He's a, he's a want to blocker. Like he's going to want to put that effort in. And so you have to like that about him. Uh, but he's more of a pass catcher. In my opinion, you're looking at him on, on day two, probably in the third is my kind of hope. You're kind of hoping he's there in the third. Sure. Maybe he's there at like 55, and that's, you know, you can you can live with that. Uh, but Laporte is a guy 
who is balanced. Man, it's going to give people, uh, you know, PTSD though if he's coming from Iowa, right? Yep. Uh, the other guy is uh, uh, Tucker Craft from South Dakota State. He's uh, a little bit bigger. He's like six four and a half, three quarters, so he's almost six five. He's two fifty four. Uh, he's just as athletic, maybe not quite as fast, but equally as athletic as, as Laporta. He's a better blocker. Um, he's a guy who's going to come in, who's, you know, you're probably going to, you know, look in that again, 55 to 85 type range. And uh, you can plug him right in. He could be tight end one right off the bat. Like he's, so his blocking is, is more, is cleaner. Yeah. So you know that he's going to get on the field a little bit easier um especially early especially with this detroit team that prioritizes blocking so for me Kraft is ahead of laporta even though laporta is maybe the better pass catcher maybe a little bit better athlete and he and it's learnable with blocking learnable Kraft is a guy I like a little bit better because i think he can him on the field early um and to be clear other guys <clears throat> let's not forget james mitchell james mitchell i mean you'll Kraft. kind of yep. almost essentially be his rookie season after you know not playing too much in his his true rookie season, but um, just want to make sure people know I wasn't forgetting about James Mitchell. I know. He's <laughs> um, so I think Michael Mayer, Washington are probably going to go like in the first round. Yeah. Dalton Kincaid's probably going to go in the first round. Even if he doesn't, I don't know if the lions are going to like him because he's almost purely a pass catcher. He doesn't block very well at all, yeah. but he's a, he's terrific. If you don't, if you haven't watched Dalton Kincaid, go watch him against USC. Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, five, 15 catches, 200 yards. It was like, it was amazing. Great, great game. Um, Luke Musgrave is the other guy. I, I think he's in that first round, uh, early second round range from Oregon State. Reminds me of Jared Cook a little bit, which is why you might look at him and be like, wait a minute, Jared Cook, didn't he play with in the Saints when Dan Campbell and Aaron? Yeah, he did. Okay. Oh, Jared Cook, didn't he play in LA when? Yeah, oh, yeah. He did. Oh, so maybe, you know what I mean? So, like, uh, right. there's, some, some, there's some things about Musgrave that like people are going to like. I worry his value is going to be a little bit too high. Rich. Like, I don't, I don't know if they're going to spend an early second rounder on, on him, which is why I like Kraft and Laporta a little bit better. Uh, if you want to go into the guy who I think is probably going to be third round for sure, then you're talking about Luke, Luke Schoonmaker. Um, I know you're going to call me Michigan Homer again, but like he's tight end seven on my board, uh, mostly because his blocking is just there. Uh, hands are developing. So uh, again, but he he's more like what you have. Yeah. He's a better version of of what you have, but he's not like this game breaking tight end. Whereas I think guys like Laporta Kraft, they can turn into like feature type players. But if you just want a better version of the guys you have, yeah, take take a Schoonmaker in the third. There you go. Tight ends. Everyone loves. I mean, we talked about quarterbacks and tight ends. This is going to be our most viewed, po- most listened to podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as I think we're going to close out there, uh, as always, if you want to participate in one of these midweek mailbags, we do a bunch of stuff off air with our live audience. Uh, come join us on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit around 1230 PM Eastern every Wednesday. We are going to take next Wednesday off cause I will be out of town and there's going to be a bunch of free agency stuff. Um, so I don't know if we can even pull ourselves away from Twitter for two hours to do this when news could be coming fast and furious. So we'll take a week off, but there'll be plenty of other podcasting stuff, including uh, we'll have uh, a bunch of other stuff this week. Actually, we'll have a free agency preview this week. We'll have our Spotify lives on Saturday morning, all sorts of fun stuff. So make sure you're always subscribed here to the channel, uh, whatever podcast platform that you listen to this on. But until next time for Eric, I'm Jeremy. Thank you all for listening. It's chaos. Be kind.